and welcome to Two Props in a Pod. I'm Tanisha. I'm Beth. And we are faculty and faculty developers at Glendale Community College in Arizona. And today we are going to talk about professional learning communities, aka PLCs for short. A PLC that has been going on at GCC for a while is something that we're going to be talking about today. It is a PLC that we've heard about. We have two guests that are joining us for this discussion. So please welcome. We're sending welcome out to Amanda Murphy and Holly Jacobus. Hello. Hi there. Hello. Thank you for joining us today. Okay, so Amanda has been teaching college English for 22 years. She has a bachelor's degree in English and Spanish and a master's in teaching ESL from ASU. She has been faculty at Glendale Community College for 16 years teaching composition, developmental writing, ESL, and linguistic courses. She has been involved in teaching and working with underprepared students for the last 13 years at GCC and currently serves as the director of developmental education for the campus. When she takes off her professional hat, she likes to drink coffee, hike, play games, camp, and hang out with her husband, kid, and pets. And Holly has been teaching for 20 years and has had her hand in many committees and professional development opportunities. Her BA is from NAU in Education, and she has an MA from NAU in English. She is currently working on her doctorate in Developmental Education Administration. Uh, This is her seventh year at GCC. She serves as developmental lead for the English department, and she is a data nerd and loves working with her colleagues and friends toward increased student success. So glad to have you both with us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. So we wanted to bring you on and talk about PLCs for a few reasons. One, This is part two in a series of conversations that we are trying to have about data reflection and teacher professional development. So part one, maybe some of you read a blog post by Julie Morrison, Mary Ann Duggan, and myself um, about course completion data that we were given and options for action. We will link that in the show notes. So this is kind of a part two, kind of continuing that discussion about you know, how are we using data? And in this case, it's relating to PLCs. Also, Tanisha and I are nerdy lovers of learning, and PLCs have always been such a great way of learning from each other, and it's great when we can be resources for each other. And also, I've heard about this PLC from numerous colleagues and heard wonderful, wonderful things about it, and I'm secretly jealous of this group. Not so much secret anymore. <laughs> you have reason to be jealous. I See, I knew. Um, so tell us a little bit about how your PLC started. Well, our PLC started as a result of the redesign of del- developmental education that occurred across the district in Maricopa. And that was in 2018, 2019. And as a result of the redesign, we had new courses that were being offered in um, math, reading, and English. And this PLC relates to the English department. And it was a result of us creating, needing to create a new course offering that was going to be a structured support lab that would be offered as a co-requisite in tandem with an English 101 composition course. So this group of faculty that were going to teach this new course, we developed this PLC and we started in the fall of 2019 meeting monthly to discuss what we wanted this course to look like 
and to come together to create some similar expectations across the sections that we were going to be offered because we were building a new course, essentially. Uh, not a new course. The English 101 course was already built, but the Structured Support Lab was the new piece. So we wanted faculty buy-in and participation as to what that lab was going, that Structured Support Lab was going to look like. So um, the PLC came out of those efforts of pulling that faculty together so that we could create something that we all believed in and that we could navigate and and construct this what this experience is going to be like both from the faculty side and then more specifically for the students mm -hmm. so and at the time when it first started we were meeting bi-weekly I feel like in the spring of 2020 we were meeting bi-weekly because that was the first rollout of the course and we would meet at the time we didn't when we were planning we didn't know really who these students were going to be and so when the spring started we actually saw, okay, these are the students we're working with. And then that kind of drove another conversation within the PLC of how can we help these students? What can we do? So then, of course, as we all know, everything derailed in spring of 2020. And we kept meeting, uh, even though everything was online. Our group still met every two weeks over Google Meet. And it was really nice because it was a small group that still continued meeting when everybody was feeling kind of isolated and that they were by themselves doing this teaching thing that was very overwhelming at the time. It was a real source of comfort for our colleagues to have a place where they could not always vent, but just kind of, oh, I don't know what to do in this situation. I've never taught online classes before. What do I do? And we really were able to help each other come together and be stronger for our students. Um, it felt like a real lifeline in, yeah. at that point for all of us, and, I think. And people still kept coming to it, so that was a good thing. It wasn't, you know, Like, people, we looked forward to it. <laughs> that, yeah, people would say, this is my favorite meeting. So, I mean, I guess there's something to be said for that. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone can't say that, right? <laughs> <laughs> so now we have, we again, we've been teaching this particular course that Amanda referenced since spring of 2020. And so now we, we definitely, we're in it. We, our feet are wet, we're working on these courses, and now we can work on how we can best serve our students moving forward. And each time, each semester, different modalities come into play, different student needs come into play. And so we do have that core group that we can talk about these issues with, which is really helpful. Um, I think that's great because of the fact that it's it sounds like there's that support there, right? That support for uh, the faculty who are involved and really letting them know that they're not alone. Um, one thing that you said that I, that really stuck out to me is when you said it's like a source of comfort, right? Especially when things kind of derailed. It's like you kind of, it's nice having that go-to group that you can go to and find that support and that additional information. So this is really interesting. Um, so, so my question for you is, what does the research say about professional learning communities? Okay, well, I'll start. Um, in an article called Creating Effective PLCs, they summarize the different elements that are needed to help create and sustain an effective PLC, and there's five of them. So I could talk a little bit about each of those and sort of how they, what they looked like or how they manifested for our group. But the first one is collaboration. So obviously we came together and for us, we were building our goals together and just determining through organic conversation, what was important to us. 
but that first year when we first started meeting, it was really, I think, more just about gelling as a team. We weren't concerned with um, hard deliverables necessarily at that point. It was really just getting our collection of people together and getting on the same page and figuring out what our what we hoped our goals would be and collaborating in that way. Um, a second element is trust. And I think Holly would probably agree that we uh, feel like this is really the most important piece of an effective PLC. Uh, people need to be willing to be vulnerable and say that they are not sure what they're doing or that they tried something and it failed and ask for help in a way where they can feel comfortable, you know, exposing those aspects of their their lack of know-how or success in certain situations. So that trust piece is really important. Leadership is another piece of it. Um, and this one, I feel like we we have a, a leader in the sense that somebody sends out the calendar invites and I was you know tasked with getting this group sort of off the ground. But when we come together, we do really feel like we have equal footing. Everybody has an equal voice. Everybody comes in the door. We sort of, I feel like, leave our egos outside the door and we come in just wanting to learn from each other, wanting to help each other and all under the focus of student success. And that student-centered focus is um, one of the five elements that help to, to have an effective PLC. So really thinking about why are you coming together and why are we doing this? And ultimately, it's for our students. Um, and then the fifth piece is planning. So... For us, our planning has really developed organically. We came in knowing that we were going to build this course together, this new course offering together, but not really sure what that path was going to look like. And as Holly said, we didn't know who our students were going to be. And as different pieces have fallen into place, our planning has morphed to accommodate what those new issues and questions and concerns and challenges have have been. And so... Um, for us, those, those five pieces of creating effective PLCs have all sort of lined up naturally. And um, another piece, uh, this, this quote is from an article, The Effective Implementation of PLCs. And I feel like this really gets at the heart of it for, for us. Um, and in this article, they say, professional learning communities are designed not only to determine what students will learn, but also to develop a space for teachers to determine how to respond when students do not learn. And that's from research by Hoagland at, um, at AL. Um, but that's really important for, to create that space that goes back to that trust piece of, you know, if we're not concerned about when our students aren't learning, then what are we doing as teachers? Are we really teachers, right? Um, and so uh, that getting all of those other pieces lined up so that you can have honest conversations and navigate those questions is, I think, at the heart of what we are trying to do in our PLC and what we are doing as in our group. Right. I think Amanda mentioned the trust piece and the student-centered focus. And I, I suppose if I were going to rank them, those would be my top two of the five because those are really what drives the whole group is we all want to help our students. These students are developmental students, so they have some opportunity gaps that we are working to fill. And so as a group, we decide what can we do. And that shared collaboration 
happens all the time where somebody will mention an issue that a student is facing or some, something that happened in their class or whatever, and then somebody will say, oh, I had that same issue. Here, I'll share it with you. And so just that very organic collaboration of, let me share this announcement. Let me share this with you. Here's what I tried. It's a that, lot of crowdsourcing. Yeah, We're all working. because everybody's working toward the same goal, like you said. You know, we, we all want the students to do well, and we all want the students to have the tools to continue to go to school and be successful. Uh, I read this article called Fueling Teachers' Passions and Purpose. So I thought I wanted to bring this one up as well because it talked about one of the good things about PLCs is it's good for the mental health of educators. And I feel like when I read that, it brought me right back to how, when this PLC started. And then it was during the pandemic where it was, like Tanisha said, that source of comfort and feeling like you're not alone. Because even though you're around people all day teaching, teaching can be very lonely. And so it's nice to be able to have educational academic conversations with colleagues. Uh, it's invigorating and it kind of fills your bucket if you're you're having a rough day or whatever, to just have a place that you can come and talk about things. And uh, like Amanda said, you're not going to be judged for it. You, you just put yourself out there in a group that's willing to help you as well. So it was good for mental health of educators. It also forms strong bonds between colleagues. So the article mentioned that as well. And again, I can't help but nod my head as I'm seeing that because I feel like that's what's happening in our group, that we have this core group of people um, who really enjoy working together and work, enjoy sharing with each other. And we even have some instructors who don't teach a class, don't teach the supplemental support lab that Amanda mentioned this semester, but they still wanted to be part of the group because it provides that, you know, that invigorating. Well, and, and we all joke, the passion. our favorite meeting that doesn't ever feel like a meeting. Right. right. And so it, we just look, I look and I see it on my calendar. I'm like, oh, that's this week. And we're, we're just excited. And it's those pieces of funding right. and support. And I think it's the support. It's listening to each other. It's just, again, everybody want, just wants to get better. And like Amanda said, checking the ego at the door, you know, yeah. luckily nobody in the group thinks too highly, you know, thinks that they're the, the, the best <laughs> the teacher ever. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank you for all of that research and sharing that with us. And that's a great title, Feeling Teachers' Passions and Purpose. I love that. Now that some departments are developing PLCs and using a system to focus and track our student course completion goals, how do you anticipate your PLC changing, if at all? So now that more groups are starting to have PLCs, I feel like our group won't change all that much because a lot of the things we're doing, again, we're happening organically anyway. So in the beginning, we were getting our feet wet. We were learning about the students. Now we're ready for the next piece, which is looking at our data. And we've collected enough semesters of information to see completion rates. And we're actually working on collecting data to see the success rates of students in the uh, in the following course, which for our sequence is English 102, the second sequence of first year composition. And we want to see how did those developmental students do in the next class? Did we provide enough 
you know, if we're working on filling opportunity gaps, did we fill those gaps? Were they successful? So that's where we're at right now in looking at collecting data, looking at the data, seeing, okay, they, they are still having some issues with these certain areas. And then that will now drive the next questions in our PLC of, okay, how can we address these issues and just keep getting better and better? So now I, I would say maybe we're out of the conversation stage, the, I don't know, let's talk about this. We're still talking about it, but now we have a little bit more focus in what we're trying to look for. So do you have a specific goal with this group right now? And if so, what is it? Um, well, like Holly said, we are starting to dig into the data now that we have a few semesters of um, this course under our belts. Um, but in addition to that, um, the PLC as a group, we're all using the same OER resource for supplemental instruction in our courses. And so one of the goals that we have right now is to try to take advantage of the reports and the, the data that exists within this OER resource that we are all using so that we can better understand the gaps that our students have across all of our sections. We all um, have the same. Uh, we all have the same course built in this OER resource that we're using, so that when students take the diagnostic, we're able to see. We're going to start looking at what are the shared gaps that our students have, and then how can we harness this information to improve our instruction, to improve our course design and delivery, and ultimately working towards you know student retention and completion. So that's one of our, that's always been one of our goals, but that's more specifically how we're going to start doing it through this shared resource that we're all using. And then Holly, you were going to talk a little bit about some of the soft skills work we're doing with our students. Right. We always talk about campus resources and things like that that are available to our students, but now we want to have more targeted interventions to get students to use those. So uh, now when we come together, if we want to, you know, we put out an announcement or something, how can we make sure they read it? So we'll have a targeted intervention to help those students, which also shows them this is how you navigate the LMS or this is how you get information from your instructors, things that are beneficial for them outside of our course that will be beneficial to them in their future coursework. So really that's kind of our mentality as we approach this course is not only are we trying to set them up for success in our course, which is an English class, but providing information about college resources and things that they can do outside of this course so that we want them to keep going to school. How to college. Um, yes, how to college, how to do school. So all of those other pieces that will give, help them build their confidence and think, maybe, maybe I can do this college thing after all. And I feel like everybody in our PLC believes that and is in a like-minded vision about that. And I feel like that's another reason that it makes the PLC successful because we all have that shared goal of helping these students continue and build their confidence in order, build their confidence in doing school. Yeah, and it's student retention and completion beyond just our course, right? It's mm -hmm. the long game, hopefully. Mm -hmm. Okay. Ideally. What I'm hearing is that your PLC started really based on a need to create this course that all of you were going to be using, and it was brand new, so 
you didn't have an expert in the room and that that sort of drove you to wanting to be communicating with each other often. And that seems just, and, and then the remote learning happened because of COVID. Okay, so it was like the perfect storm, really, for this particular PLC. And we know that conditions are not going to be identical like that for every PLC. So what would you offer as some pieces of advice for colleagues who might want to start a PLC, knowing that they're not going to have those exact same conditions that you've had. And that's not to say that you have not worked to make sure that your PLC is effective because you are holding regular meetings and you're all attending and you're all offering, like you're meeting those five elements. So it's not like you're not doing that. Um, But knowing that some of those other pieces aren't there for our colleagues, what, what might you say? I, I think you bring up a really good point in that people come to the meeting because they they want to be there. And so that can be a challenge if you have somebody who maybe their participation is forced upon them. But you can always learn something. You're in it, so you might as well learn something new. So I think it's important to go in with an open mind. Be be a willing participant. You're You're in it. So let, let's get something out of it that's positive because our whole, like I said before, our whole goal is student success, which is what every teacher's goal is. So if you go in with that, you might learn something that will help your students, which is your, your main goal anyway. Um, it's important to be open to the ideas of others. Maybe it's not the way you would have done it, but... It, it's a different avenue. And for our students, sometimes they need to hear it in multiple ways in order to be successful. And so hearing a different idea, maybe you try that approach and maybe that will work with this particular group of students that was a challenge to you in your class or something like that. Um, I also think it's important to create that safe space and shared vision, which is always easier said than done because everybody comes to the table with different personalities and sometimes you might not feel safe in that. So the smaller, small groups are, I think maybe a little bit more safe in sharing things that are working or not working. So I would say, you know, be, be a willing participant, have an open mind and be willing to give as much as you receive. So you know, give out the ideas and then be willing to receive new ideas. And then I guess my question is, so how do you make that happen? (laughs) How do you make that magic happen? (laughs) Yeah, I think, I mean, our group is, has fluctuated, I think around six to eight people. Is that right, Holly? Mm -hmm. Um, And so that small number is, I think, part of it, but it's also, we all share a specific demographic of students in our courses. And I think because we all teach underprepared students in these developmental education courses, and then we have this shared collective, this shared demographic of students, that's also helped to unite us. So I think that trying to collaborate with people that you feel, you know, to Holly's point, you want to be open to new ideas and give and receive, but everybody that's in our group, we all sort of came in with, a shared vision already. Like we were all 
already united, even though we hadn't necessarily worked and collaborated together. We were united by this greater thing that I think is even more specific than just student success, but it was these specific students, right? Um, and so, I, you know, I don't know how to tell other people to do that specifically to how to find how to find their people that way, but find your people. I think we all know that we have. You know, and I've worked, Beth, with you and Holly even before this PLC when um, on course development. And there was a group of four or five of us that would meet semi-regularly on course, you know, curriculum development. But, you know, finding your people that you feel that where you have a shared focus, but where you also feel like you have some shared philosophy and motivation, I think is really important. And, you know, the, the group that I'm referencing with you and um, with Beth and Holly previously years ago, we weren't a formal PLC, but we, if we'd stayed at it, we could have become one, right? And that was that organic development of us all trying to, to crowdsource our efforts, right? And do it with people that we like working with, you know? I think one thing we've talked about is with things still being somewhat in flux with either a high flex model or, you know, remote in a lot of meetings are still conducted online or over Zoom or something like that. I feel like this PLC, even though it might not come across organically, it's a way to show connectivity between people because these are conversations we might have had in the hallway in the past. And now we don't really have that as much because things are so remote and people only come on campus certain days. And so the PLC, even if it is, I don't want to say forced upon us, but if, if you are forced to be in a PLC or it's requested that you participate in a PLC, that this is a way where you can still have a lot of those conversations that we used to be able to have just in the hallway talking about things. So even if it's put on you, you can still be able to have this opportunity to converse about pedagogy and course de design and things like that. Or maybe like even think about it when, when you just said meeting people in the hallway. For me, that was always ways that I recharged my battery. So it's like, think about who charges your battery in your professional life. And those are the people that you want to pull into a group and work with. Those, those are the people that you're going to be willing to learn from and engage with, and then they know a couple of people that charge their batteries, and then you get, you know, your six or eight people, and and I think it can work. I yeah, it's that similar philosophy we're mm -hmm. talking about. That's, yeah. a, that's a really great way of explaining it. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, it really sounds like you need to find like-minded people who are um, um, on the same page, right, have the same shared vision, have the same goals, um, as opposed to someone who is you know, not into that. I mean, I would think if they're not into that, they, they wouldn't join the group. But it seems like as a collective, you know, you have to really care about what you're doing. It's like a collective of care of what you're doing in a sense. So I think it's, it's really cool and really neat, you know, to be able to find people or to kind of be able to find that additional support for each other, but also the additional support for students as well. So that's really neat and really cool. All right. So with that being said, we are now moving into our segment called What's on Your Radar? So with this, we will start with Holly first. Holly, what is on your radar? As far as this goes, what's on my radar is collecting data. And as Beth said in my bio, I am a data nerd. I love 
digging into data dashboards and all kinds of things that I can find and make connections between the things that I'm noticing. So I'm looking forward to collecting that information and then doing something with it because that's the whole point is let's do something with this information. So I'm excited for that. All right. Thank you. (laughs) I love, Hey, we love, uh, you know what we are, we are nerds up in this room and we are nerd lovers and data is something that I think is really cool to kind of geek out about because there's so much information you can get from data. Um, It, especially if you know how to read data, because you know, you can have, you can collect data and not know how to read it. But um, the ability to kind of really pick those pieces apart is really neat. So thank you for sharing. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. Beth will send me new data dashboards that I hadn't seen before. Yeah. So it's nice to Yeah, check pick them, them apart. Yeah, especially since some of these data dashboards are really robust and there's quite a bit of information in it. So yeah, so thank you for that. All right, up next we have Amanda. What is on your radar? On my radar. So um, a few people from our PLC submitted a conference proposal. So they will be presenting at the two-year college association, which falls under the National Council of National Council for Teachers of English. Um, but they're presenting on behalf of this PLC. So um, a shout out to them for continuing to share our work in these efforts. So yeah. awesome. Thank you. That's great to have the opportunity to share share mm-hmm. the work that we're doing. And it's not just in a bubble, right? Absolutely. So thank you. All right, up next we have Beth. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to add that whenever I'm in meetings and, a, and some kind of data gets shared, I always think like, oh, I've got to give this to Holly. <laughs> and we'll send her like little bits of PowerPoint presentations <laughs> or links to things. And I... I- immediately stop all productivity and dive into it. Yeah. <laughs> I know she's going to That's love important. it. Maybe that should be one of the other things in creating an effective PLC is have a, a data nerd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely. That's one of the roles. That's a must, that's a must have for your group. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Let's add that. Um, I am in a book club that is reading and discussing the spark of learning by Sarah Cavanaugh. So we have our meeting coming up um, on the first part of the book. So that's what I'm looking forward to. And that is the book that I'm reading right now. So I'm excited for that. Nice. And Sarah was also a part of our, um, mm-hmm. new, our uh, fa- sorry, our faculty orientation. We yeah, actually got to hear her speak. Yeah, our convocation. So that's cool. Um, so Tanisha, Tanisha's, what is on her radar? It's, it's not as cool as everyone else. Uh, what's on my radar is running right now. Tanisha has decided she's going to start running, which is a big deal for her because for years, she was an anti-runner, was like, I hate running. I absolutely don't love it. I despise it. And then all of a sudden I woke up one day and I was like, you know what? I'm going to try to run. I'm going to try to run. And the goal right now is to try to get up to three miles. I'm far away from that. So far, I can only run five, five minutes straight. <laughs> but it is a work in progress. So um, if you see me, I guess, around or if, you're, if we're in a Google Meet or a meeting or anything like that, you know, hold me accountable and ask me how my running is going so that I don't fall off the, the wagon when it gets a little tough. So that's all that. That's what Tanisha's just focusing on. That's really it. So on more, more of a personal radar. All right. So um, now we're in the segment where we are going to um, leave you with a nugget. So um, quite a few things really stuck out to me um, from this conversation. Um, first, the quote that Amanda shared, and I'm going to pull it back up in my notes here, that professional learning communities are designed not only to determine what students will learn, 
but also to develop a space for teachers to determine how to respond when students do not learn. So it's the importance of making sure our students learn, but also what it says in the quote, responding to what students do not learn, which is really important, our students and our learning. And Amanda even kind of brought up something along the lines of kind of this question that I kind of wrote down is, are we really teachers if we are not concerned with our students learning? Really? I I think that's a really important question to really think about. You know, as teachers, it is really important for us to be concerned about student learning. When it comes to PLCs, one of the important aspects of PLCs is making sure you are student-centered focused. If you are not student-centered focused, why are you meeting? I mean, I think that's a really important question to ask. It seems like that is the crux of PLC. Not only support for teachers, but also support for our students as well, because that's what we're all about. That's who we serve. That's what we're here for. And you have to ask yourself, are you really a teacher if, you, if, you, if you're not caring about student learning? We should be caring about student learning because it matters and it's valuable and it's important and it's our purpose. So that's my nugget for our podcast on today. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Amanda and Holly, for your time, for talking about PLCs today. Thank you so much. We appreciate the both of you. So thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on Two Props in the Pod. We are looking forward to you joining us for our very next episode. Thanks. If you enjoyed this conversation and want to join in, connect with us on Twitter. Follow at Two Profs in a Pod or leave a comment on our blog at twoprofsinapod.blogspot.com. Remember, spell out the number two. Other ways to show your support? Subscribe in your favorite podcast app, write a review on Apple Podcasts, or tell your colleagues about the show. Two Profs in a Pod is hosted by Beth Ayers, English faculty, and Tanisha Baca, communication faculty. The podcast is edited by Cheryl Colon, instructional developer, and is brought to you by the Center for Teaching, Learning, and Engagement at Glendale Community College in Arizona.